We've been on, uh, on a journey uh, through this series that we're calling Your New Normal Starts Now. Kind of a pushback um, from much of the, the talk of our day. And uh, we've been kind of uh, looking at different things that we have learned in these last number of months that we don't want to wait to put in motion when they, think, when they say things have gone back to normal, whatever that looks like, right? We want normal start right now. And so um, we don't have to wait for a pandemic to be gone to put in motion some lessons that we've learned. And so we've been looking at that these last number of weeks. Um, it's safe to say that, that the 2020 has, has interrupted our plans um, and, and caused, a, caused a bit of a setback. Um, for, for many, many people. Um, sometimes, sometimes we, all, we all experience setbacks, right? You ever experience a setback in your life? We all, we all experience a setback in our life. And, and, and sometimes a setback is experienced for things that are outside of our control, like, like a pandemic, right? Nobody voted this in, right? Nobody wanted this. Um, and so there are times where things that are introduced into our life that that are outside of our control. And sometimes that causes a little bit of a, of a setback in our, in our life, in, our, in the path, in the direction that we're going in. Um, sometimes a setback is the result of, of how you respond to things that are outside of your control, right? And so you have, you have, the, you have the chaos, right? You have the, the stuff that's outside of your control. And then you have the stuff that kind of comes to the surface that's on the inside as a response to what's outside of your control. And, and so sometimes that causes a little bit of a, of a setback in our life. Um, the title of my message this morning is 2020, You Won't Stop Me. Because I think that whether we wanted it or not, whether we were in control of it or not, this last number of months has caused a little bit of a setback and it might have stalled some forward progress in the direction you are going, whether it is relationally, whether it is in business, whether it is in your walk with Jesus, whether it is in whatever way, there's been a little bit of a setback. And I want to declare this morning that the 2020 you will not stop me. 2020, you, you might have introduced all kinds of crazy into my life, right? We've all, we've all, we've all been introduced to some, some crazy this year, but, but I'm drawing a line, a line in the sand and I'm saying, 2020, you won't stop me. I think that there's some things as I look back on, maybe you can relate, that, that I wish I would have done different during the last year or so. Things that could have caused a stall, a setback in my life. And so if you're here this morning and maybe you're looking and saying, you know, I kind of feel a little stalled. I feel like, you know, maybe I was moving in a direction and then I just kind of hit this, this wall. <clears throat> and hey, because the pandemic hit. And whether it was the pandemic or the pandemic was the tool to bring up some stuff in you, we want to draw a line in the sand and say, you know what, 2020, it's no longer an excuse. 2020, you will not stop me. 
I want to take a look at the life of Peter very briefly this morning and see that Peter had some things that were introduced into his life that were outside of his control, certainly. And then some things that were in his life that, that he needed to get under control. And it might've even caused a bit of a stall in his walk with Jesus. And so here's, here's, here's the, the kind of the backdrop here. So everything's going right at this point in Peter's life. I mean, the mission that he's on with Jesus is going forward, right? People are getting healed. The teaching of the gospel is going out. They're seeing miracles, right? Their, 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 um, their popularity is on an increase at this point, right? They've got favor with people. They've got favor with God. I mean, like everything is kind of moving in a really good direction. In fact, they just had like a little while before that, they had um, what we know as Palm Sunday as they enter into Jerusalem and people are like crying out, Hosanna in the highest, right? They're ready to lay their lives down for the, the ministry of Jesus to be a disciple. And so, man, this is a good good time in the ministry of Jesus and of his disciples. And then Jesus drops a bomb on them in this conversation. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 31, it says, and Jesus said to them, you will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. I mean, that's not what anybody wanted to hear. Talk, remember, remember Debbie, Debbie Downer from Saturday Night Live years ago? Like, you know, dun, 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 right? Everything's going good. And then all of a sudden, Jesus drops this bomb and is like, you know what? Yeah, I know it's really looking good, but every one of you will scatter because of me. And Peter answered him, though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus, I believe that every one of these guys have got the potential to go away from you. I've watched them, I've seen them, but you know what, Jesus, not me. Jesus, I am all in. Even if every one of them go away, I will not move. I am with you. And Jesus said, oh, Peter. <laughs> Peter, 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 right? Truly, I say to you, this very night, before the rooster crows, not only will you be scattered, Peter, like everybody else, but unlike everybody else, you are going to deny me three times. Peter, before the rooster crows, you are going to deny me three times. I'm sure Peter was shocked to hear that. In fact, look at Peter's response as Peter declares, Lord, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. Jesus, listen, I believe everything you say, but you got this one wrong. Even if I have to die with you, I am all in. I will never betray you. And then you know the events of what happened. Jesus is betrayed by Judas. They come, they arrest Jesus. They beat him, they torture him. His disciples are scattered. They hang Christ upon the cross. He is crucified. He dies. 
And in the midst of all of that, we have this picture of Peter. Who betrays his Lord just like Jesus said he would. Not once, not twice, but three times. Christ dies, Peter is confronted, and they say, you were with him. You're one of his disciples. And he says, no, you don't know. I'm not the person you think I am. I don't know the man. Three times, Jesus, three times Peter denies his association with Jesus, just like Christ said he would. And on that third time, he hears the rooster crow. And the Bible says that Peter went off and wept bitterly. He had this opportunity, it's his debut moment to stand up, to follow through on those words that even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And he has this one opportunity and he folds like a cheap suit. And he denies his Lord three times. I'm sure Peter was shocked at what was on the inside of him. I'm sure he didn't think he had the potential of doing that. Christ dies, he is placed in a tomb, and as we know, bless the Lord, he rises three days later. And the scripture says in John chapter 21 that the disciples are out fishing. And as they're out fishing, they look, and at first they see someone barbecuing on the beach. And a closer look reveals it is their Messiah. It is Jesus on the beach. And they make their way to Jesus. And these friends are reunited again. These friends who had been separated and, and the events of that last week, I'm sure, were so difficult. And yet, now they are present with their Lord. But the moment of reckoning comes. John chapter 21, Jesus now comes face to face with Peter. And they engage in this dialogue between the two of them. John chapter 21, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And Peter said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And he said, feed my sheep. Then Jesus asked them again, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And, Jesus, and Peter responds again, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. We feed my sheep. Third time he says to him again, Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? The scripture says that Peter was grieved at this time, the third time that Jesus is asking this question. Simon, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he says, feed my sheep. He says, Verse 18, truly, truly, I say to you, Peter, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show what kind of death he was going to glorify God. Jesus is letting Peter know, listen, there's about, you're about to enter into a journey. And he speaks about the death, the kind of death that Peter was going to experience. And then he ends with these words in verse 19. And after saying these things, Jesus said to him, follow me. 
What an incredible exchange we see taking place between Jesus and Peter. And some have said, well, this is, the, this is the restoration point for Peter. This is the moment where Jesus restores Peter back to where he was. Hey, he betrayed Jesus three times, and now he affirms Jesus three times. And, and kind of like Jesus is just getting back what he had coming to him, right? And I, and I don't think that's necessarily, I don't think it's that simple. I think there's, there's far more going on here in the, original, in the original writing, the original Greek, what Jesus was really saying to Peter Jesus is saying to Peter, Peter, do you agape me? There's three Greek words. There's different words for love that we interpret in the Greek, from the Greek. And what Jesus is saying to Peter, using that word love, Jesus says to Peter, Peter, do you agape me? Agape is a kind of love that God has. It's an unconditional love. It's a, it's a, it's a love that, that is without wavering and, and it, it is steady. And what Jesus is saying to Peter is, Peter, do you agape me? And Peter responds and says, Lord, you know I phileo you. Phileo is a different kind of a love. Phileo is like a friendship. It is where we get the word Philadelphia from, the, the city of brotherly love. And so what Jesus is saying to Peter is, Peter, do you agape me? Do you love me with a God kind of a love? And Peter is saying, Lord, you know I phileo you. And then Jesus says to him again, Peter, no, 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 Peter, do you agape me? And then Peter responds again, Lord, you know I phileo you. And then Jesus asks the third time, Peter, do you phileo me? And then Peter once again responds and affirms, yes, Lord, you know, I phileo you. There's something very interesting that's going on here. What Jesus is doing is, he's, it's not that Jesus needed to hear where Peter is at, but Peter needed to hear where he was at. What a transition we see taking place in the life of Peter. Peter, auto, uh, Peter becomes very self-aware. This is the guy who said, hey, listen, no matter what happens, no matter how, le how everyone leaves, I will never leave you. I will never deny you. I will die for you, Jesus. He had this overinflated view of himself until he hit a wall. And now he comes face to face after dropping the ball. And Jesus says to him, Peter, do you still agape me? I thought I did. If you asked me a long time ago, I would say, yeah. No, Lord, I want to, but I phileo you. No, no, Peter, do you, do you agape me? No, Lord, I, that's where I'm at right now, Lord. I, I don't want to say I'm something I'm not because I seem to drop the ball every time I do that. Lord, you know I phileo you. Peter, do you phileo me? Jesus meets Peter where he's at, and that's the beginning process of restoration. The full process comes in these next words to Peter. After saying these things, Peter looked at Jesus and said, follow me. I love that. What Peter is saying here is, Lord, I'm not there yet. Peter, now I can finally use you. Peter, follow me. You see, this is very significant because if we were to go back into Matthew chapter four, we'd see that Jesus is at the beginning of his ministry. And it's at this time that he's beginning to call his disciples. And one day Jesus is walking along the Sea of Galilee and he sees two brothers, Andrew and Simon Peter, and they're out fishing. And Jesus sees these men out in the boats and he calls out and says, hey, follow me and I will make you fishers 
of men. You see, the first two words that Peter ever heard roll off the lips of Jesus were those two words, follow me. And Peter did just that. He dropped his nets. He left everything that was familiar and he began to follow Jesus. And he had a lot of highs and he had a lot of lows. And here we are now at this moment where he kind of hit a wall and now everything was changing in his life. Chaos was introduced into his life. Some he brought upon himself, some he had no control over the, the, all the events that took place. And what Jesus is saying to Peter is, listen, I know you're not there yet, Peter, but listen, the game plan hasn't changed. Let's go back to the beginning, Peter. Let's go back to where it all started. Peter, remember these words, follow me. Because Peter, as you follow me, I will move you from phileo to agape. And you fast forward the tape a little bit and you get into Acts chapter two, where the Holy Spirit of God falls upon the church and the first one to step up and is Peter. And he begins to preach the gospel with boldness and power and 3,000 people come to Christ. Jesus knows how to get us back on track. Jesus knows how to keep us going in the direction that we're going even when circumstances present themselves, whether they're in our control or out of our control, we get those points in our life where we say, you know what, 2020 in our case, you will not stop me. We rolled out our plan last year in the beginning of the year with such excitement and enthusiasm and said, here's where we're going as Integrity Church. This is what God's placed on our heart. And we began to roll out a mission, a vision that God has given to us. And I want to share that with you for a moment. But before I do, I just want to, I just want to encourage you and just say, you know, maybe, maybe the, the, the wear and tear of the last year has brought you to a place that you just don't know how you got there. Maybe it's been in your control, out of your control. Maybe it's been your sin, your laziness, your whatever it may be. You know what? There's no grace in looking in the past. Whatever it is, let the past be the past. There's a new day. Your new normal starts now. And we need to look at 2020 in the face and say, you know what? You will not stop me. I'm going to pursue what God has placed in my heart to pursue. I'm going to follow hard after Jesus. 2020 and all of your baggage and drama and everything else you presented to me, I'm following hard after Jesus. Your new normal starts now. And what's true for you is true for us as a church as well. We laid out our vision frame, our vision for our church. And then the 2020 hit. And we needed to adjust and redesign and recommunicate and reallocate and respond in every possible way to try to kind of get things going. But I want to come back to you and say, listen, the mission hasn't changed. And so I want to pick right up where we left off and present to you our vision for Integrity Church. Where do we believe God is bringing us as a church? And I use this frame and, and this vision frame as a tool to help communicate the vision of Integrity Church. Most of you have been with us for any length of time. You have seen this and heard this and you're going to hear it again. Because we, here's the thing, vision leaks. And if we don't keep presenting it, we forget what we're doing and where we're going as a, as a, as a body. And so I want to present to you our vision frame and, 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 and just kind of remind you 
that we are still on mission. And so we use this vision frame and a frame has the role of holding a picture. And in this case, our vision frame holds in place the vision of our church. A vision, like a picture, is very flexible. You adjust it as things get introduced into your life, but your frame, not so much. Your frame is solid, it is fixed, it holds things in place. And so what is the vision frame of Integrity Church? Well, the first part of our vision frame is what we call our mission. And our mission is simply this, to inspire people to passionately follow Jesus. That's why we exist as a church. That's why we are here, where we are, when we are, to inspire people to passionately follow Jesus. Because we believe that if a person will passionately follow Jesus, then every other metric of discipleship will be accomplished. If a person is following hard after Jesus, not out of religious ritual or rote, but out of a passionate love for Jesus, they're going to be studying their Bible. They're going to be fellowshipping. They're going to be in prayer. They're going to be doing all the disciplines that are necessary, plus evangelism in, 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 in making disciples. All of the metrics of discipleship will flow out of a heart that is passionately in love with Jesus. And so our desire is to inspire people to passionately follow Jesus. Don't settle for religion. Religion kills. Pursue the lover of your soul, the creator of your being, who's passionately in love with you. To inspire people to passionately follow Jesus across from that part of our frame is what we call our values. Our values are the things that are just that. They are the things that we value the decisions that we make, the things that we prioritize are all filtered through the lens of the values of our church. Jesus said that you are the salt of the earth. And we use that word salted to help communicate and remember what the values of Integrity Church are. Salted, the S stands for seeing people connect with God. There's no greater experience than to see someone who, who comes in that didn't know Jesus, that didn't have a relationship with their creator. They were lost and they were alienated from God, from God. And then they come into saving faith and it's like the lights go on in their life. And now all of a sudden they have been reunited with their creator and they're pursuing hard after Jesus and their life is changed and the world is turned upside down. There's no greater thing than be sitting in the front row of watching somebody's life change because they encountered Jesus. We value seeing people connect with God. The A stands for the authority of God's word. We unapologetically hold to the authority of God's word in our life, in our ministry, in our teaching, in everything we do. It does not change with culture or popular opinion. It, it, is, it is God's word that is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. It is the metric by which we gauge everything we do. God's word does not change, but he, it equips us and it releases us for ministry. The authority of God's word. The L stands for legacy cubed. It speaks of our value of, of being a church of disciples that make disciples that make disciples. Each and every one of us are called to influence, to disciple other people for Jesus. And so we want to see disciples that make disciples that make disciples. It also speaks to our commitment of being an intergenerational church. 
that not only do we want to have all generations together under one roof, but we want to be engaging in relationship with one another so our youngest ones and our oldest ones can be in community together, learning from one another, drawing off one another, and being able to be whole and complete. A healthy church will always have all generations actively engaged in ministry together. The T stands for team ministry. We recognize that God puts together a team of people. There is no one rock star in this church. Everybody is mutually dependent upon each and every one. God distributes to all the body the gifts that are necessary for the body to function in a healthy way. No one person has all the gifts. So God has designed it in such a way that we must depend upon one another. And so we are, we are more effective when we are operating together as a team. Team, together each accomplishes more. And so we recognize our mutual dependence upon one another because that's how God designed for us to operate. The E stands for our value that every member is a missionary. Charles Spurgeon said that every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. And so we recognize that we are here on mission. We, everywhere we go, everything we do in our home, in our job, in our community, we are missionaries here representing the kingdom to which we belong. And to the degree that we see ourselves as missionaries is the degree that we will influence and be salt to the world around us. Every Christian, every member is a missionary. And then after that is our D. Our D stands for dynamic, a dynamic worship experience. We, we recognize the importance of when we come together as God's people. And, and not that we just sing a song, but we connect with God in a, in a corporate sense with one another and God's presence is amongst us in a very unique way, a very special way. And we recognize that it is in that place that God the Holy Spirit comes upon his body and does a work in us and through us in ways that our talking and our counseling and our book reading can never accomplish. We recognize that it is there that the Holy Spirit in our midst is able to do a tremendous work. And so we seek to create an environment that is welcoming to the Holy Spirit to come and welcoming for each person to come and engage in a dynamic worship experience. That's our values, salted. It's the things that we hold dear. At the bottom of the frame is our strategy. Our strategy is how do we seek to accomplish these things? And we use this funnel as a, as a tool, a picture to help you get, a, get an idea of how we do that. Our biggest gathering, obviously, is our Sunday morning. And it's there that we get together and we encourage each other. We sit under the word together. We, we worship God together. And, but we're only able to really connect to a, a certain degree in a large group. And so we encourage much more smaller groups. And as we are gathering through different ministries that are being offered, thank God, very soon, in the church now that we can, and we're able to engage with one another in smaller groups. It's there that we're able to connect with each other in a deeper way and in a more, in a more discipleship kind of a way. And so as we're engaging with one another in authentic community, we are then grooming ourselves, grooming one another to be missionaries and disciples to go out into the world that Jesus calls us to. It's our funnel, is our strategy to stay on mission. And then at the top of our, our frame, is our metrics. 
Our metrics is how we keep score. It's how to know if we're winning. If you, you can't expect unless you inspect, right? So we want to look and see how do we know if what we're doing is accomplishing our intended goal? How, or how are, we move, are we moving the ball down the field? What are our metrics? And our metrics, we use, um, we use what we call the three, R, the three R's to communicate our metrics, and they are simply this. The first one is a revival of Christianity. We seek to see people who have, been, who have been foreign to God come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. We want to see people come to faith in, in Christ and coming and getting baptized, getting discipled, excited and passionate about the lover of their soul. We desire to see a true revival across Long Island where people come, not just to a church, but to Jesus Revival, a revival of Christianity. Secondly, the second R is a reestablishing of the core of the home. Our homes across America are broken. Our marriages are broken, but God's word teaches us on how to have a thriving marriage, how to have thriving relationships. And if we could just but bring the word of God and teach and disciple people on how to engage in authentic relationships, we can start to see the, the establishment of the core of the home being what God intended for it to be. And then lastly, the third R is a reinvestment in our community. The church was never designed to stay inside the building. It's here that we get equipped and empowered to go out and serve, to reach out to the community so people don't have to rely on the government, doesn't have to rely on social services, doesn't have to rely on anything. The church should be the one that is meeting the needs and the culture around us. And so we desire, above all things, to be able to see the, the impact of us being on mission manifest itself in these Three R's. This is our vision frame. These are the things that we are inflexible about. These are the things that we are looking to see. But now we have, what is the vision of our church? What does the picture, what does it look like? Where are we going? If you were to look at a picture, you'd realize that there are, there are three different uh, horizons that you focus on in a picture. You have what's called the, the foreground. And the foreground is just that immediate part of the picture that kind of brings some perspective to the picture, the, 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 to the, the object that you're focusing on, right? That's the foreground. And the second is our, the midground. The midground is that object that you're focusing your attention on. And then there's the background in a picture. And the background obviously brings context to everything. And, and it, kind of, it, it kind of helps to appreciate the foreground and the midground um, that we're focusing our attention on. And then there's another part of the picture that you really can't see yet. It's, a, it's what we call the beyond the horizon piece. And the, the beyond the horizon piece is if you were to take a picture and extend it beyond the frame, beyond the picture, that would be what it looks like. It's what didn't get fit into the, the vision of that particular picture, but it's, it's there, you just can't see it yet. And so we use this idea of a picture to communicate our vision using both small, uh, short-term and long-term goals. And so our first, our first one I wanna focus on is our beyond the horizon story. What is the picture of where we wanna see God bring us as a church? What can't we see right now that we'd like to see happen in our future? And our, behind, our, our, our big picture is about a 10-year window. Our beyond the, beyond the horizon story vision is this, that by 2028, we will saturate our backyard by providing churches to shift culture 
in defining its place in God's story. 2028, the 20 represents a 20 mile radius of Integrity Church. The 28 represents the 10 year mark from when we feel the Lord has given us this vision. And so our desire is that by 2028, we will saturate our backyard by providing churches to shift culture and defining its place in God's story. We believe that the church is the hope of the world. We believe if we could just put enough healthy churches in neighborhoods, neighborhoods would change and they would find their place in God's story. And so the only way to shift the culture is to bring the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ that the church brings. Now, we locked in on 2028? Nope, that's what we're shooting for, but God has the ultimate say on that. And so we just adjust, again, our frame might not change. Our picture will change according to what God introduces into our time, but this is the direction we're going. So that's our 10-year our ten-year goal. How in the world are we going to hit our, our 10-year goal? Well, we set up four um, five to seven-year goals that help us set the stage for our 10-year goal to be hit. That would be our background, our five to seven-year plan, and we use the acronym SEAL to communicate what our five to seven-year plan is. The, C, the S in SEAL stands for serving an eight-mile radius. You can't serve a 20-mile radius before you hit an eight-mile radius, right? And so we want to start setting some shorter-term goals, and we want to seek to serve an eight-mile radius, begin to look and see what are some ways in which we can get into those communities and start bringing the message of Jesus. The E stands for equip missionaries. What missionaries? Us missionaries. Let's begin to equip, be equipped by the word of God, by one another, so that we can begin to identify gifts that are in, within one another and equip them to be on mission. And so while we're identifying an area and we are equipping missionaries, we are A, acquiring necessary funds because planning a church isn't free. Right, And so we, we, we start putting into our budget, our plan to be putting money in for church planting down the road. And now when we have a location and we have, we have the necessary missionaries and we have the necessary funds, the L stands for launch a church. And every time we are able to do that, it goes into our bigger picture of being able to saturate our backyard. So how do we hit those targets? How do we hit that five to seven year goal? We introduce a one year goal. Our one-year goal is communicated in the word send. North, south, east, and west, we want to start sending from our church into different locations, into different people's lives, into other people's churches, where we're able to come alongside and serve and, and partner with other churches. And so we want to help other churches also find their place in God's story. And we're doing that. We're helping other churches in different ways. And, and, and so we're looking to see how do we begin to send all over the place. Some of them will be church plants. Some of those will be campuses. Some of those will be coming alongside other churches. Whatever it is, it doesn't have to have the integrity brand. We're not looking to brand integrity church. We're looking to brand the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? And so we're looking to send into these different locations to tap into the, exi the existing gifts, gifts that are here within the body to share them outside the four walls of a church so that we can continue to move towards what God's called us to do. So to hit our one-year goal, we present four 90-day goals. And we use that same word send as an acronym to help us remember what those, those goals are. And so the S in send and our 90 day goals, the S stands for a salty push. What is that? We want to start salting our values into every single thing that we're doing. Let's make sure and look at every one of our, every one of our ministries, everyone, everything that we're doing. Let's make sure that it has the flavor of our values into it. 
Let's have a salt push so we are recognizing that we want to reproduce what we're seeing here however we can all around. The E stands for enlist missionaries. Now we, we want to start to identify specific people that say, yeah, I feel God is calling me in this area. I want to get equipped. I want to, get, I want to, be, I want to be sent. And so we have, for instance, Pastor Taylor is one of them right now who's continuing his training so that as the Lord enables and provides all the things kind of come together, he can start this church plant, not apart from us, but with us. And so we can continue to bring the gospel to this area of Long Island. We want to start identifying people that will see themselves on mission so we can broaden the reach all throughout our backyard. The N stands for navigating potential. Once we identify those missionaries that we're enlisting, now we want to assess them. We want to spend time with them. We want to disciple them. We want to find out what are your strengths, your weaknesses, your passions. What can we pour into to help you be as, as effective in your ministry as possible? And so we start navigating the potential that we have of the people. And now when we have our, we've, we've got our values put into our missionaries, we've identified their potential. Now we develop our plan or D is develop a plan. And so this is our strategy. This has not changed one bit. This is the direction that we're going. This is the way we feel the Lord is, is leading us. And then 2020 comes and says, no, you're not going to be able to do that. And I just want to boldly say, no, 2020, you won't stop us. Because we're not committed to a clock or a calendar. We're committed to our call. We're committed to what God's calling us to do. And as, as we go forward and, and we begin to identify ways and means in which we can move the ball down the field, we do that with one ultimate goal, bringing glory to God. And so I present this as a reminder that we haven't changed. That's going to take a lot more than a pandemic and a declaration that things are not normal to deter us from what God has called us to do. If obstacles get presented, we'll figure out how to work around them and work within them to accomplish what God has called us to do. Because by, by 2028, we're gonna saturate our backyard by providing churches that will shift the culture into finding its place in God's story. Father, we pray that as, you, as, as we've committed what we believe you've placed on our hearts to, to accomplish, we recognize that if, unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain. We know that we don't have the ability in ourselves to accomplish this task. We recognize our, our dependence upon you, our dependence upon one another. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would just continue to fan the flame of what you've burned in our hearts so that, Lord, you would be glorified and honored on this island that the name of Integrity Church is not what's in the headlines, but the name of Jesus Christ, the working power of the gospel, would fragrance this area to the glory and majesty of God. Amen.